I just meant like I don't remember how we like literally start the episodes. <laughs> oh, in, I mean, with a theme song and then a bunch of buffoonery. I think. Okay. Or like maybe that was the start of it. I don't know. Yeah. Do you, did yeah. we already hear the theme song? Or are you? Oh no, here we go. It's good. Yeah. I found it. Pro shit right here. We're recording. Here we go. Hi. <laughs> that's how we do it it's the what if podcast i'm spencer that's ryan that's rob it's like i stumbled into here i don't know it's rob, wait a second did i just did i just fall Dude. into the wrong podcast <laughs> whose podcast is it anyway i don't know it's everybody's podcast today uh, it is it's yours it's ours uh no i was just gonna say spencer let's let's not pretend when you're like how do we start this let's not pretend like there was some degree of professionalism with which we approached this show in the well, past as soon as a i formula. said that i was like oh, 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 oh we didn't we didn't have a consistent way that we did things we didn't i remember do that yeah 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 we mostly just yelled and played a song and then started making jokes exactly oh so, it's the one podcast nice to see you yeah, slash uh, it's the Our Strange Skies podcast this time as well. Oh, yeah, it is. We have, uh, yeah, it's it's like a crossover event. Is that what they call it? Yeah, I think Something so. Like that? An, an yeah. event. I like that. Oh, today is going yeah. to be an event. We- <laughs> Again, g- giving ourselves way too much credit by referring to anything we do as an event. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I read multiple sources before this episode. Okay, that's rare in the history of the What If podcast. Well, then, and Rob I stand and corrected. Rob knows stuff. I, I, we might we might get somewhere today. We'll see. Rob knows more stuff than I know. Yeah. That's for ding dang sure. I've been I've been saying Rob would do a better job at this podcast than us since the podcast started. <laughs> To be honest, I have co-hosted this podcast without you here before. Uh, you so, absolutely have. Uh, I don't know how I did. Okay, Rob's own podcast is basically just a better version of our podcast. That's absolutely correct. That's 100% correct. So today we've, we've got uh, the latest from I, a man I think we swore off ever speaking of again on the podcast at one point. That did happen. But we have the latest documentary from... David Politis, a.k.a. Davy Copface, uh, who once yelled at Ryan in person for taking a photograph. He did. He did. And I think... At a big, at a big foot conference, which roughly 50 people attended. <laughs> in, in, in a remote mountain town in Colorado. He's, uh, he's doing another uh, gathering in a remote mountain town in Colorado next week. Showing his new documentary, which we're discussing today, Missing oh. 411, The UFO Connection. Oh. And for just $50, you can attend the screening of his documentary. Well, but you get to see him. <laughs> it's true. He might yell at you for just $50. He might <laughs> he, yell in your face. He will. I spent $50 on a remote mountain town conference in which films and speakers were given that included Mr. Mr. Politis. And I got yelled at, so I, I'm a I'm a data I'm a data set of one, but it could happen. It could happen it's to true. you. It's true. You got yelled at because he's not a fan of that nickel back song photograph. I mean, like, <laughs> oh man. I mean, there's some if, exclusive exclusive shit happening. We don't want it leaking to the public, right? No. Yeah this this PowerPoint slide might really break the internet if we showed people how many cats are being cut in half with fucking lasers. <laughs> careful we covered that in an episode true. rob and i we really did, did. Rob and i went deep on the cutting the cats in half mystery uh <laughs> a few months ago on his show we did not get yep. to the bottom of anything i don't think <laughs> no so let's get into this because i have an obscene amount of notes and i know rob has some as well um the movie is broken up into chapters 
But before the first chapter, we have sort of a little intro um, in which Dave Politis quickly rattles off his uh, credentials, so to speak. Uh, A quick point of clarification. Rob and Spencer have watched this film. I intentionally did not watch this film in order to be the recipient of their knowledge and experience and to be able to ask the questions (laughs) that I want to ask unfettered. So I am coming in uh, dumb. I mean, I'm always coming in dumb, but I'm coming in particularly dumb today. <laughs> Ryan has a uh, an ethical obligation to not give David Blight a $6 to rent his movie. <laughs> Loki, yes. Also, yes. Uh, so, Dave at the beginning reminds us that he was a police officer for 16 years. Oh, really? I'd never heard him do that before. And that he worked vice intelligence SWAT and was a detective. Can I just say that I've never met a documentary by Dave Politis that didn't start with him introducing his credentials. <laughs> it's true. Ever. It's true. Um, so quick reminder that while David Politis was working as a police officer f- for the San Jose Police Department, he was charged with falsely soliciting for charity um, because he was requesting writing to celebrities and requesting signed pictures of them for, uh, he said, some sort of, like, display that they were making at the police station. Like, they were going to make a a wall of all these signed autographs or signed photographs and then be like, look, you too can be famous if you don't break the law or something. I don't don't know what his angle was. Look at all these upstanding citizens. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So I found an article about this that ran in the San Jose Mercury News in 1996. It said that he had worked at the department for since 1980, which would be 16 years, and that he was currently employed as a court liaison officer, which seems Hmm. like sort of an odd path for someone that had previously worked as a detective and on SWAT teams. Is that like a bailiff? Right. Yes, essentially. That's the guy in uh, Judge Judy who like cracks jokes and ushers people in and out. Yeah, except except imagine someone who has a lot less personality. (laughs) 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 So he, he claims that he was collecting these autographs for some sort of project at the police station, but Authorities, in this case, like the other police officers, I guess, say that there was no such project be- being developed. And he was just putting him in the PC and, back home. And that there was nothing in any sort of Plytus's official duties as a police officer that would have required him to do any of the things that he was doing. I'm envisioning Davey P with a binder and like little like plastic sheets. And he's just laying on his bed with his feet up in the air, just kicking his feet and flipping through his collection of all his favorite famous people. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And there are like cutscenes to him with his, like his uh, fists under his chin, yeah, just like exactly. looking down with that, <laughs> Flutter, fluttering yeah. his eye, his eyelashes, yeah. and just so happy with his little personal collection. Yeah. I also came across several articles uh, from that same paper, the San Jose Mercury News, from the late '80s, uh, that document multiple accusations against Politis and his. Uh, his unit across 
while of uh, multiple accusations of police brutality. Oh. Tight, 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 tight. Yeah. Cool, 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 And lastly, I came across an article from the Bay Area Reporter from 83, which I'm not really sure what to make of, but it's a very short article written by a guy named Tom Rogers in the uh, April 28th, 1983 edition of the Bay Area Reporter, talking about how Politis would hang out in adult bookstores wait for what he assumed to be a gay man to approach him, talk to that person, ask if they wanted to go to his car, and then if they said yes, arrest them. Uh, uh, what? Uh, How is, wait, all, is this, this is all publicly available information about this dude? Like, these are all, like, real articles? Like, this is real shit? This is, we're not, this, this, these are not blog, yeah. blog spot sources? This, this is the April 28th, 1983 issue of the Bay Area Reporter, Tom Rogers. Is this the real line. reason why Crazy. he has been, like, completely kind of, like, aloof about his credentials in, like, the first, like, three documentaries and, like, a, a, a smattering of appearances on, like, Coast to Coast? Is this the reason why he is so aloof about his time doing anything until now in this documentary where you get like a slight bit more of what he claims that he was, uh, you know, involved in and stuff like that. This is the reason why. God damn. Yeah. God you, peek damn. Under, I mean, you peek under I, the covers for maybe. one second and it's like, oh, those credentials look way less cool, my boy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I also, I, I don't really understand this reporting because it's, there's not a ton of detail. Um, I don't know what crime you would be arresting those people for like are you are you arresting them on suspicion of like solicitation, solicitation probably or, right I, also I, in 83 know. man anyway, who knows dude like you i mean yeah 80 yeah i mean look we don't have to get we don't have to get too into it but like yeah. this same article says that he had over a hundred such arrests in a seven month period of 83 Oh, so that's like, like that's low key all he did. Apparently, if you're working five days a week, you would have worked 140 days during a seven month period, and you arrested over 100 you're people. Doing one basically, roughly every day, every other day. Your, your yeah. average is yeah, one every day and a half or so. Yeah. So, uh, take that for what you will when he points to his credentials as a cop for like being a good investigator and like upstanding dude who you should listen to and trust you're, sa you're saying chapter one chapter one says one thing but the internet says something else <laughs> yeah he also claims to be a quote best-selling author which i find hard to believe self-proclaimed because it's not well, like you can pull his stats from like the you know the new york times usa today or anything like that he's a self-proclaimed right. best-selling author because he sells his books himself so automatically but he that's is, not what best-selling author means no. like best-selling author on david politis's website yes. probably yes the that's number one best-selling <laughs> author on canhammissing.com is uh drum roll <laughs> like, please david politis <laughs> My mom thinks my books are the best, and technically I've sold one, which means I am a best-selling author. Yeah. Like, he's his books are self-published, and they're not available for purchase, as far as I can tell, 
I can't find them available for purchase anywhere that reports to Nielsen Bookscan. No. So like they're, they're I don't bit. know how he would even have the potential to show up on any bestseller lists. Right. I, mean, I, I did best selling is such a books. generic term. It is. It's it, But it but it's but it shouldn't it doesn't have to be and it shouldn't be. Well. Well, I mean like if you look at most authors today they're they're doing it to like having that bestseller title is what is is a factor in how many books you do eventually sell. The only thing is is like he's not smart enough to put best-selling author on his books. Maybe he would sell more. I don't know. But like, <laughs> the, like really there is nothing to being a best-selling author. At the, I mean, I don't want to say there's nothing I mean, to it. I mean, selling books like, should be involved. But like to, <laughs> to say that like start. Stephen King is a best-selling author. Yeah, we know. Like th that doesn't matter. Like a lot of the people that are in like, you know, like the top like 20, you know, best-selling, you know, fiction, nonfiction and stuff like that. They're established people at this point. Some people do break through but like those numbers and that like that thing that that phrase that title it doesn't really mean anything but Look, like uh, we're gonna know. just create new artwork for our show and it's just gonna say best podcasting podcasters and we're gonna be like whatever <laughs> best, now we're best podcasting what, what podcasters best deal with selling it. podcast yeah <laughs> best podcasting podcast how about that yeah yeah that was wild okay I, I didn't know what to think about that Words not meaning anything is going to be a theme for this whole documentary. Nice. Yeah. Um, my, my least favorite thing. Look, the only thing I'm not dumb about <laughs> is communication. So people not taking that not seriously. Yeah. Not, not my favorite he, thing. He opens chapter one by saying, join me on a fact finding journey that has never been disclosed. Yeah. Um, also, can we what? talk about the <sighs> low energy of his narration at the beginning of this thing? Because it is so low energy. I wasn't even sold. I thought I should have turned it off to begin with because I'm like, are you even excited about this documentary? Because it doesn't seem like it, Dave. Yeah, this this thing, Ryan, it is produced, directed, written, and narrated by, by David Politis. <laughs> oh, boy. that's That is simply far too much of... Well, and most individuals, uh, but simply far too much of that individual for sure. Yeah. Um, he also asks, he also asks us to keep a warm and compassionate heart for the missing. Yeah. Yo, I watched the, I watched the trailer and I remember the reason that we refused to continue talking about this butthole on our podcast was because <laughs> that was our read on his ultimate his ultimate what he is ultimately achieving is the monetization of familial pain and that fucking sucks big shit and isn't a thing that uh i condone generally speaking and i was watching the trailer and i was like mm, seems like things haven't changed much <laughs> seems like dudes still playing the hits <laughs> the the documentary begins with a crying woman it literally begins with a oh, woman crying christ i was gonna say there's a cold open before all of this of just a woman crying oh god oh, Who's in Dave. charge here? Dave's in charge. Dave's here, in charge here. Based on the fact that he put his name in every single responsible <laughs> slot for the film, Dave's in charge here. Uh, so we we then cut to Dave in his underground research bunker, talking about the profile points. Mm -hmm. So for those unfamiliar with the missing four one one point point us big time point quotes us big time quotes. <laughs> I was Profile waiting for points. it. <laughs> we got ourselves a point of separation. 
Sadly, okay, not so one of no- the profile points that comes up. Yeah, that's that's no longer a profile point. Sorry, Ryan. That's been retired. Okay. Um, but I'm personally offended by that. It's the best one. <laughs> the, the new number one profile point is that dogs can't find a scent. Nope. In 97% um, of cases, dogs can't find a scent at all. Which, which I feel obligated to point out is not like in any way a foolproof practice. Mm-mm. Like, there's not a ton of research about how accurate dog, like, scent tracking dogs are. But in the the one most recent study I could find, the success range is somewhere between 62 and 85%. Which, like, the fact that sometimes dogs can't find scents, that, that checks out based on, yeah. like... 62% of the time it happens means 38% of the time it does not. I've also read that like between bomb sniffing and drug sniffing dogs, like people are like, oh, that's a drug sniffing dog. And they're like, no, it's a bomb sniffing dog. And you can't, you can't teach a dog both. Like they have to be trained to focus on a specific thing. So like if, yeah. you, have a, if you just like give a dog a hoodie of a person who went missing and go like, Hey, go into this wilderness you've never been in before and go find that hoodie. It's like, yo, no, literally every smell they're smelling is a new smell, including this fucking hoodie they smelled 45 minutes ago. Like literally dogs train yeah. their entire lives to learn how to smell weed. Like, so you gave them a hoodie yesterday and now you're like, go find them in the woods. Like, so nah. that, that same study said that the, the two greatest indicators of success were the amount of training the dog had received. Sure. Mm-hmm. And the quality of the scent sample that they were given. So in this in this study that they did, uh, they were doing it on a 130 meter long trail, which is not like the woods. No, that's not. <laughs> you know, big we're talking at about people all. going missing in national parks. I can see from one side to the other of a 130 meter long trail. Mm-hmm. And the tests were conducted within five minutes of them getting. The scent sample. Of course. I mean, your results are so going to be much high, better. And, and they were getting these samples by swabbing the actual person, like going under their arm, taking a swab was, and giving it to the I dog. I was just about to say, find the scent of a person, but the person can't, you can't get the scent of that person because that person is missing. I mean, you can get things right. that person has been near or touched or whatever, but like. So, so even under these like ideal conditions, in much smaller areas, the success rate was as low as 62%. I, I love that we, we literally found the first, the first like criteria for this and just have absolutely shit on it in like less than three minutes. Like, yep. Well, there will be plenty of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the next profile I'm, point I is that there are, there are no, there are no tracks. No. Which, which to me conveniently seems related to profile point number three, which is that there are frequently weather-related issues near the time of the disappearance. So in some of these cases, like, there's a snowstorm soon after someone goes missing. If there's a blizzard, you're going to have a very hard time finding tracks on the ground. Or rain, or wind, or... yeah. Also, weather-related issues is never defined in terms of, like, severity or proximity to the actual event yeah, like yeah. in one example he gives is like three days later it started raining right. it's like you're probably always within three days of some sort of quote weather related yeah. event 
unless, unless you are in Southern California exclusively. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the last two are that people are often found in an area which was previously searched, which, spoiler, never comes up throughout this entire documentary. <laughs> I think the only time it comes up is like uh, a case that vaguely relates to what he's talking about at some point. Like, dude was discovered like 50 some odd years later on a near a boulder field that had been previously searched, but it's just like... Um, is the okay. boulder field back? It, and then the last one is that people of? go missing near boulders. Oh, Christ on a bike. Water, swamps, or bogs. I feel like that now, covers a lot of freaking territory I anywhere was, you okay, go. Just about to say, oh, you nature. mean nature? <laughs> like, well, <laughs> you know where people have traditionally lived? Near water. Yeah. <laughs> like that thing that we need every few hours or we will die. We've tended to live near it. It's pretty important. You know where we can't survive? In it. <laughs> right. Like the first case he covers is very clearly the case of a man who drowned. Also, do you do you know do you know where it's really hard to find footprints or scents in water and on rocks? <laughs> in water, yeah, yeah. You know what? You know what yeah. doesn't receive footprints? Rocks. Do you know what also yeah. doesn't receive footprints? Well, Fucking water, dog. <laughs> like, what are we well, doing here? <laughs> what about Bigfoot? Bigfoot's pretty big. He could maybe leave a rock footprint. He he'd have to be uh, he'd have to be stomping in the yard. You know what I mean? He'd really have to be putting it down. <laughs> So we get to our first case, which is uh, a man named Ray Salmon who went missing in Vancouver. Of course. I know from the trailer that this is a UFO related film. Have we been exposed to the concept of UFOs at all right now? Or are we just like crying lady? I'm very important in the world of fact finding and law enforcement and now we're going to start talking about a missing person and like there's no UFO stuff yet. None. I don't yeah, None. I don't we've, Got we've it. broached the subject of UFOs Got yet. It. We're probably only yep. like 10 minutes into the documentary so nice, far. Nice, nice, nice. Yep. So Ray Salmon uh, was a man from Vancouver who went out hunting alone with his dogs on the shore of Harrison Lake. And Politis interviews his wife, Daniela. Um and there's all this uh, allegedly mystery about like where <laughs> he went and what happened to him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're talking about stuff like, well, his trailer was locked when we went out there to look for him. Why would he lock his trailer? What? And with his dogs inside. Yeah. Like, well, because he was leaving for a while? I don't know. And his shit was in there? Like, that seems pretty reasonable to me. That's why I do when I leave um, my place of residence. <laughs> I like yeah. it. So, the, maybe I'll do it this way. The, the actual story of what happened, if you Google Ray Salmon, you will find multiple sources um, describing, including the CBC and Global News Canada and other places, Um citing official reports from authorities confirming that Ray had drowned and that he had likely had some sort of accident in which he was injured, tried to swim back to his campsite and drown in the process. Oof. The RCMP 
pinpointed the area where they believe he went into the water. And they didn't have, at the time, the necessary equipment or people trained in using the necessary equipment to, like, search the lake fully. It would have required sonar and people to use that sonar that they didn't have and didn't have, like, the resources to go and get. Yeah. He was 66 years old, camping alone in a wilderness area with no actual, like, formal campsites. Okay. Shitty. Sucks that this dude died. Yep. But, like, one Google search brings you to the CBC reporting from the RCMP, we know where he went in the water, and he didn't come out. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, like... Like, they found his clothing and his backpack and his shoes and his gun on the edge of the water. So, like, in uh, in all of these, in all of these, with the exception of Carl Higdon, who we'll talk about later, what's the key defining feature? We don't have a body. There's no body. Like, that is the one thing I think that propels David Politis most of the time is, oh, we don't have a body. So something weird had to have happened. In one of these cases, Rob, we do, and he just doesn't tell us, though, also. Right. Right. Yes, that's absolutely true. He just conveniently true. omits that fact. Because mm-hmm. it doesn't fit the pattern. Yeah. Right. Um, so <laughs> I love that you you literally created a movie about making your own pattern, and then you don't even <laughs> cite things that fit the pattern you invented. Correct. Right. You made this up, this f- and you can't even find stuff that like fully fits this it. fucking also, butthole, man. I... With, with these these profile points are applied so arbitrarily. Like in this case, not not all of these profile points apply. Right. Sure. And also, if you're if you're rattling off these credentials of all your police work and like police, police, we should trust the police. Later, he interviews an FBI agent who says we're being visited by interdimensional beings, and like we're yep. just supposed to take his word for it because he's a cop. We have reports from the police saying what happened, and Dave just ignores it and doesn't even mention it in the film anywhere. But I'm the smarter police. The the police are the authority on all this stuff when it aligns with what Politis already thinks. And when it doesn't, he just doesn't tell us about it. Can we talk about the... um, the, the one moment in the film where David Politis, because they're talking about uh, these kids that were having like a graduation party nearby and somebody supposedly shot out their headlights and David Politis thinks that it was Ray Salmon trying to get the attention of these kids. And the search and rescue guy that he's talking to literally says, well, uh, I would be thinking, well, what if I hit somebody? It's like, that's not a good idea, Dave. Why do you think that's a good idea? Yikes. <laughs> it's so fucking messy, dude. Because then he also, like, he uses these little tiny pieces of information. Like, so so in one way, he's saying, isn't it weird that these headlights were shot out? Like, that's... Maybe mm-hmm. it was Ray, right? And then in the next sentence, he's talking about, like, why I've never seen an armed emergency response team before. Why would they send out this 
this SWAT team, these armed officers for a search and rescue. It's like, because somebody was shooting at people, Dave. Right, right. The RCMP doesn't have a SWAT team, as Dave called it, but their emergency response team, their duties include resolving incidents involving armed and barricaded persons. Right. High-risk searches and arrests and rural tracking operations. Seems like a very good team of people to have out there. And instead, Dave's like, the police are lying to us. They're full of shit. He's, it's aliens. Like, Right. And like at one point, yeah, he's talking to a retired RCMP officer asking, why would you have uh, ERT teams out there, you know, you know, like armed to the nines? And she basically says, well, you know, if there was a report of an incident uh, in which, you know, somebody... You know, was like firing guns or whatever you know it's not exactly oh, like that exactly but like exactly what was happening in this case yes that literally happened in this case so like he's still trying to play up this mysterious angle well why are these guys out here because these kids reported that somebody shot at their freaking headlights that's why oh. yeah this dude is just goofy mm. so we have our first mention of ufos at this point okay because we're yep. still in chapter one right we are yeah we are um, the connection in this case to UFOs is made via an RCMP memo from 1960, so 53 years prior. Yep. Um, Timely. Of the Athabasca Native Americans reporting an, a metallic object that fell out of the sky and into a lake. In the report, which, of course... Politis omits these parts of the report. It is referred to multiple times as a missile or possibly rocket. Although I will say uh, they do, uh, they claim that the uh, Athabascan Indians refer to these UFOs that they see as Sasquatch ships, which I really enjoy. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That is fun. I mean, yeah. maybe they're coming down to cut our cats in half. We, I guess we it, can't say for sure. No, we can't. We, well, um, I mean, we and then, can, but <laughs> and then Ray's wife Daniela once saw a weird light in the woods. So those yeah, are our UFO connections. The UFO when they were together camping at one point, and like, like the ten. The, the thing about the UFO connection in here is not that uh, the UFOs abducted these people, which is kind of what Dave's. I can't even say that's what his premise is. He kind of brings it up. He kind of doesn't. But, like, they had UFO sightings, so it's a UFO, you know? Like, it's... This so. is the... This is... Okay, so a thing... And we've talked about this on the show before, but this is the first time we've talked about this, dude, in years at this point. But, like, a thing we've talked about is it's the bread and butter of people like this to bring up two separate things and not be the one to communicate the link between the two things. But I'm just going to, I'm going to serve you this plate of food and this plate of food on the same table and then be like, you decide. It's one step away from the, like, I'm just asking questions, people. Oh, I don't think it's one step away at all. I think, I, I think, I think that this dude is exactly the template of the dude yeah. You know what? If somebody got uh let's let's say this will never happen. Let's say 60 minutes put David Politis in a chair under the lights and asked him, "What are you trying to say 
with this documentary. I swear to God, I bet you he would probably say something to the effect of, look, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he would say, Fair. look, I don't, I'm not saying anything. I'm just asking questions. Oh, I'm an investigator. I'm that. just on a fact finding mission. I'm just asking questions. He used to constantly do that with his Bigfoot stuff. Yeah, he would go shit. on whenever he had an interview, he would tell all these stories and like lead you all the way up to saying like, there's a large ape man stealing people. Right. And then if, if an interviewer would ask like, so what's your hypothesis? He'd be like, Oh, I don't have one. I'm just, I'm just all about the facts. See, this is the thing. This is the thing. You, you can get away with so much by not concretely making the assertion you imply but you can imply all day long and allow other people to make the assertion. So you still quote unquote, retain your credibility for whatever the fuck that's worth based on our general consensus of, of an assessment of this dude's credibility. But you still think you get to maintain your credibility by never actually actively concretely making the assertion. You just imply the assertion and then continue about your business. It also allows you to pivot and present these same stories or types of stories as Bigfoot cases, interdimensional portal cases, UFO, UFO cases. cases, missing people cases, depending on which one is most convenient at sure. the time. Or exactly. or what or what might gain you the most viewers or listeners or listeners in this segment or whatever. This seems like a pretty yeah. blatant attempt to cash in on the current UFO like buzz. Sure, yeah, totally. Uh, not only that, but this is how ancient aliens became a thing because Bondonikin literally said, "I'm just asking the questions." Mm. And even even when that show first started, I'm just asking the questions. And like, no, sir, <laughs> no, you have built an empire upon your quote unquote questions. I'm pretty sure there were, yeah, you asked a bunch of questions, but you also presented a bunch of goofy bullshit <laughs> in order to, you know, put your questions out there. So maybe cut the bullshit. What the fuck, my guy? <laughs> All right, chapter two. Chapter two, Ryan. It's going to get uh, weirder. Oh, Jesus. We, chapter two is called The Elk Connection. Hey, do you still have mm -hmm. Goddamn on there? Uh, I don't know where anything yeah, is, that's man. Fair. Yeah. It's been a hot second since we pushed these buttons. Uh, oh, yeah, it's in here somewhere. Can we train the AI to hit buttons when we say certain things on the show? That would be so great. Who if the fuck knows? Uh, <laughs> if we could get a robot button pusher to listen God to our show. damn! Got there. Beautiful. All right. God damn! I don't even know what to do with this one. Rob, you, uh, you're more familiar with this case than me. Some mm -hmm. guys saw a UFO take an elk. Yeah, so it's <laughs> yeah. February <laughs> 1999. Uh, there's a there's a bunch of uh, forestry workers uh, working in the shadows of Mount St. Helens. They're planting trees, and they're working above this kind of like valley, and they see a herd of elk down below. It's an overcast day, which, you know, is typical for Washington. But uh, they see, one of them sees this, like, small object. They describe it as being kind of pill-shaped. There's a white stripe and a red stripe um, in the body of this thing. And it comes Allegedly. down. Yes. <laughs> uh, it comes down out of the clouds, and it heads towards this 
uh, group of elk, and they all start to scatter except for one. This UFO ends up cornering one of them, and it starts to lift it up into the air, and then it just takes off with it. Like um, when it's as it's leaving, it looks as if the elk is kind of wearing it as a hat. Um, <laughs> it's yeah, it, awesome. it's it's weird and and stuff. But like, uh, they see this thing kind of zoom away, and the you know these are all a bunch of immigrant workers who uh, don't speak English. So their boss kind of gets wind of what happened and ends up calling the National UFO Reporting Center, Peter Peter Davenport's outfit, and leaves a message the message used to be on the website i don't know what happened to it because i tried to pull it for one of my episodes but uh eventually he you know gets back to um this the, the guy that runs this company and tries to get information realizes that these guys don't speak english so peter davenport teams up with um robert fairfax of uh mufon at the time he's the state director of washington and they investigate this case and they realize that they don't have uh the tools to investigate it so they end up calling ruben uriarte who um has written a, a couple of books about uh particular ufo cases and uh he goes up there talks to these migrant workers gets their story and the story appears, you know, in the MUFON UFO journal. Rob, what year is this? Did you say what year this was? Sorry. 1999. Okay, thank you. But, uh, yeah, like, um, it's it's a weird, it's a very weird, weird case. So, Chapter 2 is all about this case? Uh, kind of, like, to an, to an extent it is, but it, it's just kind of, it's kind of setting up what dave's premise is later on which is dumb <laughs> which is dumb <laughs> it's it's very dumb he he thinks that the aliens are coming down here in their ufos and abducting elk in order to monitor chronic wasting disease in deer populations i'm sorry who's he Ray you talking about dave the, mr yeah. politis yeah. Wait, wait, wait. I'm going to need a, about a thousand more words on what the fuck you just said. You, he, he makes this argument in chapter two that the aliens are monitoring chronic wasting disease by abducting elk out of the sky. And this case from 1999 is evidence of this. It's its premise at the end. But like he sets up in chapter two, the idea of chronic wasting disease in, in Colorado and Wyoming being this kind of uh, epidemic. Um and like it's i guess it's getting worse i, I you know i don't know uh, i haven't really you know researched that but like <laughs> the idea is <laughs> that uh they uh, it's like six days after the reported incident there was an elk discovered not far from where the incident had taken place and it had allegedly been suffering from chronic wasting disease so you know this sets up you know that 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 premise that they're coming down here for the elk which dave only has two cases that he's presenting in which elk are like featured in it so big trash <laughs> yeah not really strong not very strong somebody should take a take a screenshot of my skepticism right now and this can be the cover <laughs> art for this episode <laughs> because i'm 
I'm looking over the. I'm about to be looking over the top of my glasses at this fucking guy right now. Yeah. Well, that's about all that we get in chapter two. Good yep. job. Okay. <laughs> really nailed it. Okay. <laughs> chapter three is titled "The Idaho Triangle." Oh God. Oh God. Uh huh. <laughs> Robin so, Payne. This has the dumbest scene in this whole goddamn movie. Yeah, oh, I'm, I'm going so to explain up. it to you when we get there. I'm going oh. to present this stupid, idiotic scene. The problem is, the problem is, Rob. I actually don't even know which one you're referring to right now. <laughs> oh, we'll get there because it's it's here. It's here. It's at the end of this chapter because it involves bullets. Okay. It involves oh, yeah. Okay. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yep. Guys, yep, yep, I did yep. a bad job. I only brought one drink for this episode and it's gone. And I, I have a feeling I'm going to need another one for what Rob's about to tell me. Yeah. So we, we yeah, talked yeah. to a, a few Idahoans. Is that the Idahonians? I don't know. That's fair. Those, those folks. Don't, uh, don't care if we offend them <laughs> by, <rude. laughs> by, state, by stating their 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 name of their citizenry wrong. <laughs> uh, so we've got Chris Bales and Rob Zinker who saw a large triangle shaped craft, and when asked how to describe how long it was, Ryan, this is this is really uh, right up your alley. He says several football was, fields. He, he goes, it was like a football field, you know, like a hundred feet. A man after my own heart. A man after my own heart. For those of you who are not familiar with American football, a football field is in fact 300 feet. Three times that, yes. <laughs> hey, at least I knew that part. So um, you see this big triangle-shaped craft. Uh, he said it's like it looks like it's all one piece of metal, no seams or joints or anything. I'm very bummed. I thought this was going to be a Bermuda Triangle situation, like the Idahoan Triangle. Oh, oh it's it's like the idiot Bermuda Triangle situation oh, that yeah, we're going to present Don't here. worry. Don't worry. Terrific. Yeah. Um, so they see this thing about 80 feet above them. It's just sort of hovering there silently. Uh, they They don't see any, like, exhaust. They don't smell anything. The air doesn't seem to be moving around. It's just sort of, like, just chilling there right above them. It, for and then a they craft watched, that potentially large, 80 feet, I mean, that would be, like, very all-encompassing. Yeah, I also don't big. trust these guys' uh, estimations after leading with the, the uh, yeah, football field statement. Fair. But yes. I just mean in terms of, like, your your estimated proximity to that thing, if it's 80 feet above you, but it's potentially the size of a fucking football field, that's, like, that's like covering your entire vision. Literally big if true. Big if true. Big if true. True if big? No, big if true. Um, They watch it float away. He talks to these two guys for a while about their UFO. Moving on. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's that's point one of our triangle, which which as Rob alluded to, David Blytus is sitting at a desk in his underground bunker. Yeah. And he has a um, map of Idaho on his desk in front of him, and he no, is marking no. marking these points on the map with bullets. Uh, so okay, he's pulling okay. bullets out so, of a gun and placing them on the map to mark the locations of these things. Yeah. So like this is like I literally go. he is he is sitting in front of <laughs> monitors with Google searches on them. Not not lying to you. He's the, they got Google searches on them. 
and he's got this map in front of him and he's got a clip with some bullets in it and he takes one out and he puts it right where these guys had this ufo sighting and then he takes out another one he says interestingly enough the the subject of my first documentary the disappearance of dr coons happened right here it's a it's a coincidence it can't be a coincidence and then he takes another bullet out and he puts it on the map and it's another disappearance of another person and you know what it forms a triangle (laughs) and you know what he says that it's so it's so amazing that it it's that it bears a resemblance to the UFO that he, that these guys saw. And he literally takes a sketch of that UFO and holds it up and says that it's connected because it's a triangular UFO. Why are you being so lazy, my boy? Come on, man. <laughs> what the fuck? Okay, so so first of all, any three points that are not in a line will form a triangle. You dumb bastard. Yes, that is that is. Hey, look again. Not a big math guy, but ge- geometrically speaking, that's how that works. <laughs> Secondly, so Rob, you mentioned the Dior Kuntz thing. Yes, this is out. Outrageous that he included this. Like completely yes. unhinged that he would include this in this documentary. So. If you watched his very first documentary, I think it was just called Missing 411. I didn't. <laughs> Good. I've you're, seen you're... them all. I've collected the Pokemon. <laughs> I am a master. <laughs> so Dior Kuntz was, was sort of like the main subject of his first Missing 411 documentary. Okay. This it was a two year old he's a two year old kid who went missing while camping with his parents and grandfather. And one of his grandfather's friends. We talked about this on one of our episodes yeah. when we when we were originally taking this dude seriously. There is absolutely nothing linking that case in any way to UFOs. No UFO at all. And it's particularly odd because he made basically a whole documentary about this case, never once mentioning anything about UFOs. And in fact, that film strongly implied at times that Dior's parents were responsible for his disappearance. Yep. Yikes. Very much so. Um, He talks to some people outside of a police station who said, oh, yeah, everyone knows the parents killed him. That's in the movies. Yep. There are it's hard to get like any real solid information about this case, but just like couldn't have less to do with UFOs. Also, can we can we talk about the most pointless scene of this whole thing is when David Politis goes to visit the sheriff to ask if there's any updates. And the guy's like, nope. And he's asking him, like, uh, are there any credible leads? Nope. And that's it. Yep. That's it. That's the whole scene. And then transitions away. That same nice. guy is in the first documentary. Yes. And in addition, so that David Politis only makes like a very brief appearance in that first documentary he's not carrying the whole thing the way that he does with this most recent Mm, one sure but for the the first section about dior Kuntz, the guy who's narrating it and is like on camera the most during it is a guy named nate eaton who wrote or maybe still writes for the east idaho news yep there is so he's he's put on camera as sort of like the expert about this case we're still talking he about the Dior a, case, right? Yeah. yeah. He wrote an article for the East Idaho News in which he interviewed a private investigator who said Dior's mom, like this guy investigated the case. He says in this interview with Nate, the guy who's in Politis's documentary as the expert, 
This PI says, Dior's mom told me she knows where his body is. Mm. Hmm. Years later, Politis is suggesting that he was abducted by aliens. Yeah. It's insane, dude. Well, Spencer, yeah. how else are you going to get a triangle? Like, I got to have a triangle or I don't have a chapter three. Yeah, because they saw a triangular UFO and I got to hold up this goofy ass fucking picture to make a connection here. If it's if it, if there's only two points, it's just a line and the Idaho line doesn't sound cool. <sighs> this fucking snake oil fucking monorail episode ass fucking huckster ass boy. I, I can't in my I, opinion personally. I cannot yeah. overstate how much that one pissed me off. It's like you are you are taking the same case that you presented as both something like spooky and mysterious and as something like very literal and like human. Six years later or whatever it is, you're telling me it's aliens without any shred of evidence. Well, he's not telling you it's aliens. He's presenting it to you in a uh, new context. It's like, even if I only listened to you, this would be bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> even if I had no outside information aside from David Plaitis, this would still be bullshit. And, and yet. Just maddening, dude. How many fucking chapters are there in this movie? Because I'm fucking exhausted. Six. <laughs> Six. Okay, good. I thought if someone was about to say 14, I was going to be like, all right, I really am going to have to go get another drink to make it through the rest of this fucking episode. So then we get to uh, the FBI agent interview. John D'Souza, who he's a retired FBI agent who now is very into aliens and stuff. Is this yep. this is chapter four? No, this is the end of the, the triangle. Yep. Oh, okay. Okay. We're. We're the okay inter interdimensional. This is interdimensional portal. This, this goofball tells us that there are extra dimensional beings entering mm. our world, mm. which is fun. And yep. because he was formerly a law enforcement officer, that is a credible assessment. Is what we're there's led zero to evidence produced uh, uh, to support that claim. Right, like uh, he claims that he worked on the Unabomber case. He worked on the uh, first World Trade Center bombing case. He also worked on 9/11, and he had he was allegedly the expert in the FBI for paranormal stuff. Fuck out of here! <laughs> you know what? None of those, what all those things don't have anything to do with UFOs, aliens, yeah. <laughs> UFOs. I'm, I'm sorry. Did UFOs blow up the World Trade Center? Mm. Pretty sure they didn't. <laughs> Did, was someone abducted in the process of the World Trade Center getting bombed? Like, okay, bro, but most people have jobs. I don't, I don't know how that makes them experts in extra-dimensional <laughs> beings. Most people right. have jobs. <laughs> and then, yeah. <laughs> like, that's no different than me being like, I produce podcasts. Uh, also, there are extra-dimensional beings hanging out in our world. Well, he does have some credibility. He did produce a podcast about aliens for a while. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. It's fair. Um, and then we get to Richard, or sorry, Reinhard Kirchner. It's a German dude. That's going to be a, a, a thing here. German yeah. dudes. An, imp an implied seventh profile point is German men. Yeah. Which, based, based on uh, Politis' affinity for some extreme right-wing ideas, makes me really nervous. Oh, boise. <laughs> but it's not... Mm -hmm. He never explains why that's meaningful 
or what he's implying with that one. Right. There is no. Look, I'm just asking the questions, okay? I'm just asking the questions. So this guy, Reinhard Kirchner, uh, was hiking and disappeared. Yep. Okay. And um, again, if you Google his name, you will find that he was hiking in an area alone at night, which was known for having sinkholes. I think that's... um... I think that's, you know, that's within the recommended here's how to go into nature. Yeah. Seems much more likely that he went down than up. You definitely, um, what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to be with no one else. Okay. (laughs) Make sure it's pitch black. Make sure you're old, preferably. And then what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to trudge straight into the area with the most sinkholes. And or bears, as will come up later. And you're going to be just fine. Mm -hmm. That's... That's the way to do it. Yep. Which brings us to, I I think this was a separate chapter. I think this is chapter five, the Carl Higdon abduction, Mm -hmm. which Rob, I know you have spent considerably more time with than I have. Yeah. Um, Carl Higdon, he was uh, an oil drill worker. He, um, there's a day in October, October 25th, 1974, he uh one of uh, a couple of his guys had called out to work so decided to take the day off and decided to go out hunting and he goes hunting in uh medicine bow national forest in wyoming and he's out there for a little bit and he comes across this group of elk the only thing about them is that they're not really moving they're just kind of stationary so he gets out his gun and points shoots and his bullet travels a short distance before it falls out of the air. Doesn't do what a bullet's supposed to do. So he goes over and he retrieves it. And that's when he notices that there is this very odd looking individual there. Um, if I could describe this individual in, in related... Um, terms his face looks like a combination of uh butthead from beavis and butthead uh, napoleon dynamite and a piece of celery that's the best way i can describe it he he's a very strange looking aquarium or something dude <laughs> he has a something we never seen a, before i i I'm gonna have to. I'm finding an image. Okay, I'm We're gonna. We're seeing some shit we ain't never seen before, kid. Uh, Thank you. Because you need, you kind of need to see it because it is. Um, yeah, it's. I'm gonna throw this image what in the, the chat here. What the fuck is that, kid? Does does da- does Davy uh, put this image in the pod? Oh yeah, uh, oh, yes. pod, get, in yeah. the doc. So, yeah, yeah. So we we get the the sketches and we also get an interview with Carl Higdon, which is kind of yes. fun. Which is which is great because uh, you know Carl Higdon. I don't think every anybody's really heard from Carl Higdon in many years. But uh, uh, hitting the chat right now. What this year is, was this uh, case? Nineteen seventy-four. So this this section also includes some of the worst CGI you will ever see in your entire life. It's yeah, oh, remarkable. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. So wow. image in Rob, the chat. Um, I'm I'm here's what I'm gonna say. Yeah, you crushed it. Yeah, absolutely crushed it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He absolutely uh, crushed it. He, yeah. he has a 
one hand is a drill and the other hand is nothing, by the way. Yeah. This guy. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Rocking, a, rocking a Star of David belt too, just to, you know. Yeah. Yes, uh, with an apron on it that apparently has his home world on it. So, yeah, Carl Higdon sees this individual. (laughs) Again, I think that description, um, you know, butthead plus Napoleon Dynamite plus a piece of celery with some, like, antennas on top and some really coarse hair really, uh, you know, captures it. He's wearing this, like, really, like, skin-tight black suit. He has a what looks like a point for an arm, and he's missing like a hand on his other arm. Is this Carl's drawing? No, this is another person's drawing, but like it's it's very similar to what Carl drew. Also, yeah. this guy has uh, just six giant teeth, three on top yes. and three on bottom. Yeah, which yeah. is awesome. pretty neat. Great job. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, he's he uh, he looks over to Carl and he asks him if he's hungry, and Carl's like, yeah. I'm hungry. So he floats over this package of four pills. He takes one of them. And then this individual who introduces himself as Ozo One, I think he calls him Ozo in the series, but it's spelled A-U-S-S-O-1. And he asks him if he wants to go for a ride. And uh, Carl th- pretty much thinks he doesn't have a choice. So he we gets inside... Here! <laughs> yeah, we're, we're fucking out of here. Uh, he gets inside um, a craft that it looks like a rectangular, like, cubicle of glass. It's very transparent. He steps inside it. It's bigger on the inside, so it's a TARDIS. Or a Harry Potter tent. Yes, yes, or the Harry Potter tent. And nice. the elk are also in there with him. So they end Aww, up fun. shooting off into space and they end up going to Ozzo's home world and uh, he's not there for long and the reason that he thinks he's not there for long is because he had a vasectomy and he's of no use to these people Mm, so they bring him back and I now know why I've never been abducted I've I've really dicked to this whole thing they totally dicked this whole thing or and or (laughs) Whatever the opposite of that is. You, <laughs> your inability to dick this whole thing is, in fact... I'm sorry, Ryan. Do you think your dick doesn't work after a vasectomy? <laughs> well, not not work, but a specific portion of it doesn't work. Nope, they actually don't touch it at all. No, like, that's okay. not part of the dick, Ryan. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I didn't think this was a biology lesson, boys. Well, I didn't think it was until you, you clearly you needed one. You dicked this biology lesson, let's be honest. God damn it. <laughs> I'm a man. I'm 40. <laughs> Rob, keep going. <laughs> but yeah, Carl, he comes back. They drop him off in an area that's kind of a bit of ways from where his truck is. But he ultimately gets back to his truck. His truck has a radio in it um, because it's uh, it belongs to the company that he works for. He radios in, you know, says, uh, you know, uh, he's kind of incoherent. So they eventually find him and he is like completely feral when when they track him down the sheriff pretty much pulls a gun on him and he ends up uh you know going to the hospital he has a stay there and uh what they find is that he's actually in perfect health he had tuberculosis at one point and had allegedly yes uh (laughs) and had the scars on his on his lungs and after his encounter, apparently those scars are nowhere to be found. 
Allegedly. Yes. But um, it's, yeah, it's one of those kind of very weird 70s cases that, um, yeah, is... uh, it has a certain level of notoriety within the UFO community. But, uh, yeah, it's, that's the case of Carl Higdon right there. It's a very weird one. But Carl didn't go missing because Carl is being interviewed in the documentary. Correct. Profile points applied arbitrarily. This one I don't think meets any of them. No rocks or water or dogs, just but also, we talked to a guy who has an abduction story. Yeah, this this actually meets none of the profile points. The he was in the he was profile in nature. point that it meets is that he's in a national forest. That's, that's it. not one of the points, though. I know, but that's like his basic premise is like, oh, it's a national forest. But were there boulders <laughs> nearby? Because that's that's actually are, a profile point. Uh, uh, did a check? No boulders. No boulder fields nearby. How are you going to make a movie about missing people and then interview a person? The thing is, is though, like, I don't I think you I, found him, dog. <laughs> He's right there on camera. <laughs> it's clearly no longer a documentary about missing people because I'm fucking looking at him, my boy. Like, what are we yeah. doing? What are we doing? Yeah. Um. All right. So that's chapter five. So now we're going to bring it home. <laughs> well, well, I think it's more like chapter three or four, to be honest. It, that might have oh, been right. four. I don't know. We're, we're on to chapter five now, at least. Okay, okay. Which is um, a guy named Mark Stripmater. Yep. Who went missing in a similar area, which I don't exactly know what that means. By Dave's definition. I mean, Medicine Bow was a pretty sizable forest, so like... Yeah, I don't know exactly how, how close this was to um, where uh, Carl Higdon went missing, but also it's 35 years later, so yep. it seems like a bit of a stretch, but he went missing in October of 2019, and he was driving to a hunting location there was a snowstorm um and he didn't come home i can't right sorry really quickly i just i know we've kind of talked about this but like bro when people go into the wilderness by themselves while it is raining or snowing do you know what fucking happens sometimes it goes poorly yeah sometimes it doesn't go well Right. This was also an area known to have bears. And we know that he pick, left his truck at some point because they found his truck on the side of the road. And pick your pick your predator in a national forest, bro. Like pick yeah. your predator. It could be bears, it could be fucking cougars. There's like so many things that can fucking kill you in the in the wilderness. So when you're when you're in your late 60s and you're alone and it's fucking snowing, and there's fucking wild animals and shit. Guess what happens? Yeah. This guy was like 40 something, but your your point stands. Yeah. Um so this is the woman that we that we saw at the beginning of the of the movie. That is Mark's girlfriend. Yep. And she's interviewed by David. And <laughs> he asks her if Mark has had a vasectomy. Had a vasectomy. Yeah. Which it's is like just the- weirdest question and she's just like what no 
You guys silly? I'm still gonna send it. Just an outrageously <laughs> bad question, which he then follows up by asking, asking her how their kids are doing. Yeah. Now that he's disappeared. I know this is a podcast and I'm supposed to be talking, but I'm hiding underneath my sweatshirt right now because I would rather be dead. <laughs> oh my God. The, sorry, to clarify, the vasectomy question is related to the abduction story from to, the previous to, chapter. Related to Carl's story. Or yeah, that's what because, he th is saying. Which doesn't make any, any fucking sense. Carl had quite a few kids. That's why he got a vasectomy. So... Yeah, like he's literally trying to say that, you know, Martin Stripmeyer was abducted and taken by the same beings because he didn't have a vasectomy. That's what he's implying. So what Dave is omitting here. Oh, God. Is that in October of 2022, Mark's remains were found 300 yards from his truck. And that's just never mentioned. So uh, the question that I have then, is it not mentioned because of the timing of the release of this documentary? Because it just it just came out or like, is it, you know, willful, willfully admit it, you know, omitting it? Like, that's, way, that's my like, only question. Like, either way. Yeah, you should have included something. I, I'm how long I, mean, I don't know what they're. Uh, October 26th of this year. So like six weeks before the movie was released. Um, so like clearly those interviews had already happened prior to that. Right. I think it probably would have been possible to either edit that out or to include a, a card that says he was found. Right. Um, if it had already shipped to their distributor or whatever, like, you could say something on social media, which he right. never has. Like there, there are ways where if you made an honest, not even a mistake, if more information came out, you should address it somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If, if you didn't have a very clear motive. To well, not. Yes. Right. <laughs> I, I'm, that's what I'm saying. If you were doing this in good faith. Yeah. You should probably do something about that new information that is that you are, I'm assuming he's aware of. Right. There's no way that, well, I shouldn't say that. I was going to say like, there's no way that like the people, people who watch these documentaries don't immediately go do their own research. I bet a lot of people don't. Right. But doesn't this seem like the crowd that likes to quote, do their own research? Well, yeah, you know what yeah. they're not doing when they say that, though? Doing research? research. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're watching yeah. YouTube videos and but documentaries, like, dude. But, like, literally, if you, if you, if you, I, I would imagine if you Google that man's name right now, the story that comes up is, like, missing man's remains found. Yeah, well, look, probably. if you're not prepared to do the research, Brian, why make the statement in the first <laughs> yeah, place? Fucking A. <laughs> God, uh, if there has been anything more applicable <laughs> to the entire tenor of this show since we started doing it, it is that fucking sounder, man. Hey, hey, Ryan, did you like that little bit about the, the bullets on the map? Because we're going to get a reprise right now. <laughs> I think you know that I didn't, Rob. I think you know that it hurt my heart in a pretty demonstrable way. You're going to get it again uh, yeah. because All there's right. a third guy that yeah. went missing we're we're into 
chapter six now. Yeah. That we're bringing it now. We're really bringing it home. Yeah. 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 Um, Dave tells on himself in a way that few people have ever told on themselves at the beginning of this sequence. Beautiful. He says, quote, I've always been of the opinion that there's no such thing as coincidences. Okay. (laughs) Which makes a lot of sense (sighs) and does a lot to explain how he has arrived at this point where he thinks that aliens are flying across the universe to the southwestern United States to monitor elk for mm-hmm. chronic wasting disease. Yeah. Because it couldn't because it couldn't possibly be anything else. Right. Yes, because he has drawn so many connections between things that are not connected. Yes. And just everything he does is riddled with his own confirmation bias. <laughs> He has arrived yeah. at a place where he thinks literally everything is connected, Jesus. but only in the way that he can decode. Yeah. So, like, we have two UFO incidences that involve elk. It's not a very strong fucking indicator. We have two other <laughs> guys in Wyoming that went elk hunting and disappeared. Again, not a very Allegedly. strong connection. Oh, yes. <laughs> and uh, there's also a guy named Pat McGuire who uh not far from medicine bow national forest he is told by aliens to set up a well in an area where apparently there were a lot of geologists that said it's a dumb idea to do it and allegedly he you know drew water from it like i don't know pat mcguire's story all that well i in fact this is kind of like the first time that i've ever heard of it but there's like a water table. I believe this is also information obtained during hypnosis, by the way, which yeah, I have yeah. some fun stats for you guys about later <laughs> if we want them. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like there's uh, there's a water table underneath the ground called the Ogallaga uh, water table. It's it's just, it's like a, a giant ass like lake underwater or under the ground. And um coincidentally it it's also the areas on uh davy cop faces map where people don't <laughs> go missing strangely because the wa because the water's underneath the ground we got to talk about that fucking map for a minute yeah okay so ryan do you know what we're talking about <laughs> the cluster map he has he has what he calls this cluster map of of the united states where people allegedly go missing mm-hmm. yep it is it's just a population density map. Basically. All of the clusters, not even basically, like quite literally. <laughs> like if you overlay them, they are nearly identical. Mm-hmm. So, of course, more people go missing where more people live. Yes. Seems logical. You could you could make a map of UFO reports. It would be the same map. Mm-hmm. You could make a map of left-handed people, and it would be the same map. All he's showing you is where people live in the United States. <laughs> and if you're not normalizing for population, anything is going to re- re- give you the same mash. map. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People named Ryan 
would be the same map. It True. doesn't mean that people named Ryan are connected to some fucking aquifer. There's no connection here. It's right. connected to volume of people. Yes, that's it. Exclusively. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The fact that he sells that map on his website for $25 is fucking embarrassing. Isn't there, isn't the implication though, I remember this from the past, so maybe it's different, but isn't there the implication that the the clustering is related to like national forests and shit? He implies all kinds of shit, but it is not actually that. Mm. Right. The the area where he's saying that no one gets abducted is where no one lives. Right. (laughs) Wyoming and Idaho are not very densely populated. So everything that humans do is going to happen less often there than it does in fucking Southern California and in New York. (laughs) Like, no shit, buddy. (laughs) Wow. A lot of people go missing around Chicago. You don't say. Yeah. (laughs) Like, it's just asinine. There's something tricky here. Mm, see, I'm on the case. Former yeah. PI and then SWAT team superhero Davy Cupface. Where where he lands is that they uh, this is like too stupid to say out loud. <laughs> you, you, I, ju- I watched you, you literally you go to. like, I can't believe I'm about to do this. <laughs> he thinks that the aliens live underground in this aquifer and that they fly their UFOs up out of the ground through this well that this guy built. And that they come and take elk to monitor them for chronic wasting disease. Yeah. Oh, and McCarran Air Force Base is nearby and they had a bunch of UFO sightings. So that that totally proves it. Holy fucking vey, boys. And then he also says, just kind of tossed in at the end, hunters of German heritage are being taken in North Mm -hmm. America. Yep. The people presented in this documentary as evidence supposedly of this conclusion he's arrived at are named Carl Higdon, which is a very English name. Mm-hmm. A guy named Charles Gustafson from Beltrami, Minnesota. Ryan, what nationality do you think Charles Gustafson from Beltrami is? Do you think he's German? I, I, I'm going to go with hard Swedish or hard Norwegian. That is about as Swedish as you can possibly get. Yeah, having the yeah. name Gustafsson in like an area densely populated by Swed- Swedish immigrants. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Terry Metter. Metter is an English name. Bales is a French name. Salmon is an English name. Um, all the guys who saw the elk were Mexican. We have two, one actual German. <laughs> who, who, most, yeah. who most likely fell into a sinkhole. There was nothing yeah. about UFOs connected to that case. Nope. Uh, except for a, docu- a document, an alleged document that says, oh, people believed he got abducted by aliens. That's it. People also believe that underwater aliens come up through wells and take elk. It doesn't mean it's true. Yep. <laughs> and then we have Strip Matter, which is a German name. But there was also nothing connecting that in any way to UFOs. That was the guy who was found 300 yards by, from his, by his truck, truck. in yeah. a snowstorm. And also, would either of you like to take a guess as to what the uh, 
largest ancestry group within the United States is? Because <laughs> it's German. <laughs> is that true? How is that possible? 17% of the United States has some amount of German ancestry. That's crazy. Yeah. So the only way you could tie that to anything is by approaching this with coincidences don't exist. So therefore, there must be some connection between these clearly unconnected things. I also think the thing that's really like truly insane about this is that all of there it? are thousands of people probably more tens of thousands of people who go missing every year, which is a horrible fact, mm -hmm. but it's true. Like in the United States, tens of thousands of people go missing every year. I don't know what that exact number is. Someone, someone pull that up for me so that I'm not a, totally a large idiot. number. We can a say a large assume. number of people. So if I were to make a documentary highlighting six of those cases, I could draw any conclusion of a trend I wanted to, that's called cherry picking data. And it's a super duper mm -hmm. common logical fallacy that people use all the time to tell narratives that support a goal that they already have. The worst part is he's doing a really fucking bad job at it to begin with. Like it's, it's poorly executed data cherry picking, which is the yep. dumbest part of this entire story <laughs> is yeah. that it's like, you like you you are trying to string together six instances of a thing to to make a to infer to imply a point and you're not even doing that well no but like if i wanted to go make a documentary tomorrow about people of specific age race gender mm -hmm. uh ancestry location whatever and then be like can you believe this trend is happening i could do that I could do that with literally any demographic I wanted to choose and make a documentary about it and pretend like it's a thing and then just look yep. for disparate data th that like happens in that area and be like, C couldn't these things be connected? But Ryan, Ryan, what if I <laughs> took out a map and I had, I had a clip with some bullets in it. And what if it, I put Rob. it on, what if I put them on that map? in the shape of a triangle. Then would you believe me? <laughs> yeah. Then would, would you, you believe me? <laughs> what, what have I told you about my SWAT team history? Then would you oh, believe me? Oh, we didn't even bring up the fact that there are photos of Davy Copface from back in the day looking like he's in a biker gang. Like... <laughs> oh, God. Long hair, like a, a goatee and everything. It's It's so bad. Nobody cares. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Ryan, to quickly uh, tie that off, according to the National Crime Information Center, last year in the United States, 521,705 people were reported missing. Jesus Christ, that's actually way higher than I thought it was going to be. And Dave sometimes pulls cases going back to like the 1800s. Yeah, he has millions of cases to to work with. Yeah, if you're talking, if you're gonna choose any decade you want to choose to try to string together your narrative, yeah, 
Like that's fucking easy, bro. That would be yeah. like me picking six basketball games over the course of the entirety Millions. of basketball's existence <laughs> yes. and being like, and also being believe? mostly wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and then being like, can you believe how connected these six basketball games are? It's like, <sighs> no dog, there's just been a shitload of basketball games. And you picked six ones that had some overlapping characteristics, not even all of them. I was born. Oh, there it is. There it is. Uh, well, there's a summary of one of the worst films I've ever seen. Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, aren't you glad we did this? Oh God! Hey, look. In my opinion, in my personal opinion, I think it's wrong to give people money who are bad at drawing conclusions based on vast data sets that inevitably profit off of the loss of human life that occurs naturally in difficult situations in nature. I think I personally think that that's bad. I think you could just shorten that to profiting off of the loss of human life is bad and you shouldn't do it. Yes. Shit went bad real quick. You know what I mean? And in, yeah, it's an even dumber. Okay. So, okay. Hang on though. Before we fucking tie this thing off. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. I, I got to ask. Like, <laughs> I see. I'm. I don't even. I'm. See, this is, I'm glad I didn't watch it. I would have been so fucking fired up after watching this fucking movie because I'm fired up right now. Do you think, in your personal opinions, do you think there is intentional misleading here, or is this a person who views themselves as a fact finder, who's actually just like of an intelligence that like that they don't actually understand that what they're doing is all just a series of logical fallacies. I think like, it's is this probably, I, I think guess, a combination of both, to be honest with you. Yeah. yeah like, I think it's probably both yeah. as is often the case with people like this. Like, yeah, he's clearly not like he's, he's not a, skilled investigator he's not like a critical thinker and also you don't have to be doing any of this right you know like i i don't i don't think even if you genuinely believed some of these things i don't think you would go about it the way that he's going about it and sometimes the the information that's omitted is so blatant that I have a really hard time believing it's being done like honestly in in, in yeah. earnest. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if if I can spend ten seconds googling this person's name and find official reports contradicting what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you spent months if not longer making this film yeah i find it really hard to believe that you wouldn't have encountered that information at some point mm. that tells a lot yeah 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 like you didn't even google these names before including them in your documentary the right. the the like 10 people that you included in this film you did zero the only way you could get to this point would be to do zero research about any of them you that can't be true because you had to find these people and get in touch with these people to have the conversations you needed to have exactly. to yeah. be exactly. able to make the movie about them. So you had to do some degree of 
I mean, look, if he's in his underground bump bunker showcasing his fucking Google searches in the background, the motherfucker's Googling people, right? Yeah. yeah, I mean, the only way you could not know would be if all of these people came to you and you did zero to vet them. Sure. Which I don't think is the case here. No. But yeah, yeah, yeah to your no point, way. he clearly has some information about them. So why not the other readily available information that contradicts what he's presenting? And the leap is so massive. It's not even there at all. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like there's uh, on a literal level. There is nothing connecting these things. No. And the premise that he arrives at is clearly fiction. Right. He arrives at aliens live underground in Wyoming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that there's no logical path to arrive there. (laughs) That's not a leap. That's just like you're off the fucking map, dude. Nor is nor is there any any sound evidence to be able to back up a claim like that. There's none at all. Right. There isn't. The only way he even arrives at that is by making connections between fully unrelated things and omitting in tons of information along the way. Right. And let's, and let's be honest, like the, 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 the cases that he's like kind of hinging all of the, like he's hinging, he, he's like Carl Higdon's case is doing the heavy lifting here. The only thing is, is like Carl Higdon's case doesn't fit Dave's profile other than the fact that it occurred in Medicine Bow National Forest. That is it. It's it's like, the only actual abduction case in this whole thing. Yeah, it's, it, it is. It is. And and it meets zero of his profile points. Yes. <laughs> like, Absolutely. None. Not, right there, we should just be done with this premise. Yeah. 100%. How does this, how does this trailer have over 100,000 views because it's dave politis and he has a lot of followers a lot of people who support his work i thought he was shadow banned bro no he ain't shadow banned he just (laughs) thinks he is i mean this podcast accounted for three of those views so like have you ever spent any time on tiktok at least half the people on tiktok are claiming they're just shadow banned and it's just like no your shit sucks okay that's what it is (laughs) move the fuck on god dude these fucking comments on this trailer i didn't read them when i watched them oh god my faith (laughs) in humanity is continuing to plummet uh, right, well, we've, uh, what the viewer, what the listeners will not get is like the transformation <laughs> that we saw you go through, in which you started right. to you you started to become like a caterpillar going into that cocoon, oh. and. Uh, Ryan's just, just a fully like, broken man at the end of this. At a certain point, I was I was I was literally sunken in my chair yes. with my hood up, just absolutely yes. defeated as a human by the fucking yes. the narrative of this documentary. I've never seen such a tall person look so little. I know. Oh God, I he, I feel I feel um, I feel here's here's okay here's how I feel. Fucking all right. We really can wrap this in a second. Here's how I feel. We're at like an hour and a half, but but go yeah. off. <laughs> Here's how I fucking feel. I fucking wish. And like, I don't think this podcast episode is it, but I wish that there was a a source, a resource that had enough of a following to basically just do an like a like a line by line refutation of this idiocy. I'll share a link with you guys and I'll, I'll put it in the show notes. There's 
there's someone who has put together 50 plus cases that Politis has talked about at various points. And next to the actual explanations for those cases. Mm, sure. And they are, you know, it, it ranges from like, this person went missing intentionally. This person fell while they were hiking and were found later. This person sure. was confirmed to have been attacked by a predator. It's like all these, you know, explanations like, for the unexplainable. Yeah. Pe yeah. People have done that work and there's, I, I, I have a long list of them that I can share with you. I just, you know what it, it makes me, the reason it fucking partially pisses me off so much too, is it's because there are people in the world who are spending money they make doing hard things actual jobs um, actual <laughs> fucking jobs to watch this shit to buy these fucking quote unquote best selling books to spend 25 dollars on a population density map <laughs> for a yeah. guy to maximize his fucking credibility and then do incredibly uncredible things with that credibility to take their fucking money I'm not talking yep. about this guy again, man. Fuck this guy. <laughs> I fucking He's, hate him. He fucking that. sucks. He's a fuck. I fu personally, I believe that this guy sucks big <laughs> shit and I fucking hate the things that he does. And that's how I feel personally. I, I can understand how you arrived at that point. Yeah. <laughs> that's Fair. just my personal belief. <laughs> ah. And with that. Uh, I don't remember how we end episodes either. Are we done? We just leave. What do you want to plug, Rob? Plug your shit, Rob. Do I even want to plug the podcast now? I don't even know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's fair. You know, uh, if if you know um, the Our Strange Skies podcast, I host that thing. I, you'll hear this on that feed, but yeah, you um, might be currently listening to it. You true. Self-proclaimed, um, no, actually, uh, proclaimed worst UFO historian ever, uh, according to a review. So <laughs> if that's what you want in your content, go check out the Our Strange Skies podcast. It's, uh, there's a lot of stuff that you can um, say I'm bad at. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> you can leave great reviews. Please do. All right, Ryan, I think you're supposed to end these, right? Uh, shit, yeah, I guess. I, uh, I'm i going to plug something. Uh, if you go to copperu.co, it's just my last name, copperu.co slash music. I got a new EP coming out, and you can pre-order, uh, pre-save, pre-figure out my new EP. I made some new music, and I'm excited about it. Uh, so, yeah, it's... Yeah, buddy. Uh, K-O-P-P-E-R-U-D, just my last name, .co slash music. And you can pre-order that there. And uh, yeah, I guess that's it. If you want to send us an email, that's hi at whatifpodcast.com. <laughs> I guess you could still do that. Uh, sure. I'm pretty sure our voicemail is still up 612 246 4614. I think you nailed that. You fucking Did nailed I? that. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. I, for, yeah. As soon as I said it, I was like, that can't be right. And fucking thanks for listening. And it's nice to be back with y'all on the internet we hope you had a good time uh roasting things with us i had a mostly good time roasting things it's nice to see bobby k and uh and spenny always always dude always i can't leave now i'm too turned up this shit goes hard as fuck
Media.